1: for it. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com. That's blogtalkradio.com. pgann and you can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForAgain. And while you're there on Twitter at GoForAgain, give me a follow at, twi- at Go for Again on Twitter. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former NBA star, the franchise, Steve Francis. And we're going to talk all things NBA with Steve Francis. Also, we're going to talk about his upcoming holiday extravaganza tomorrow in Houston should be a great time. It's for a great cause and we're gonna to talk to Steve Francis about that and some of the great things he is doing in the community. Also we're gonna be joined by Cleveland Browns, defensive end Jabal Sheard and we're gonna to talk to Jabal about his season and his Browns who are on a three game winning streak right now. And if the Browns can finish the season if if the Browns can win their final three games, they could end the season at eight and eight. And that would be a big time thing. For the Cleveland Browns. Even what they're doing right now, it's it's big for Cleveland. It's progress, and we're going to talk to Jabal Sheard about the progress in Cleveland. Also, we're going to be joined by our Hall of Famer, the great Willie Rofe, 11 time Pro Bowler. You know him also well. We're going to talk to Willie about some of the great things he has going on, and we're also going to talk about all things NFL with the great Willie Rofe, and it should be fun talking to Willie about some of the great things. Going on. Also, we're going to be joined by Cliff Rold of com, and we're going to talk about the big fight, the big fight, the big fight last week, Mayweather, uh, not Mayweather, I wish it was Mayweather Pacquiao, but Marquez Pacquiao, what a big fight that was, what a thrilling fight that was, a thrilling fight that was. I mean, that was an amazing back-and-forth type of situation. That was an amazing back-and-forth type of situation. I mean, that was an amazing fight. That was a pure beauty. A pure beauty. I mean, back and forth, forth and back. One gets dropped, the other gets dropped. I mean, it was just an amazing fight an amazing evening in Las Vegas last week. Just an amazing evening and we're going to talk to Cliff Roll of the com. give his get his take on uh what happened. What happened in that fight. What's going on now with Pacquiao moving forward. I know his wife, she wants him to retire. His wife wants him to retire. Give it up. Give it up but I don't know if that's possible at this point for Manny Pacquiao. I don't know if that's possible for him to give it up. I mean, he may need the money. I mean, he did take a cash advance before that fight, so he may need the money. He may need the money. So as far as I'm concerned and looking at the situation and with Manny Pacquiao, I don't think he can retire, and I don't think he will retire, but we're going to talk about that fight later on in this show. I want to start now in the NBA with the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, has there been a team that's been so surprisingly bad this year than the Lakers? 10 and 14 at this point, I mean, have been playing awful, awful basketball, not Laker-like basketball. And, you know, throughout the course of, of this season, The Lakers have been struggling. And I I look at this team, and they just seem slow. They they seem slow. They seem slow. They're not as athletic as other teams. They don't get up and down the court like other teams. This team is just – and they don't defend. I mean, the, the Knicks had 68 points in the first half the other night against the Lakers. 68 big points in the first half. First half. I mean, this is a Laker team, and and Kobe said, you know what? I I would like to play the Washington Generals. And I think, Kobe, the league did you one better because you got to play the Washington Wizards, (laughs) which is not a a good basketball team. And the Lakers barely beat the Wizards last night. Barely beat the Wizards last night. And granted, Steve Nash is out, Pau Gasol is out, and and that's important. I mean, these, these are two of your better players. Paul Gasol and Steve Nash are out. Both are out. So these are two of your better players, and they're out. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, maybe you could give them a pass for that on some level. But, I mean, the thing about it is Nash has only played two games this year. So we haven't really seen Nash with this team under Mike D'Antoni, with Mike D'Antoni's system. And we all know how Steve Nash did. We all know how he did in Mike D'Antoni's system. We know what he, the two MVPs in Mike D'Antoni's system, a couple conference uh, finals appearances in Mike D'Antoni's system, so there has been success in Mike D'Antoni's system with Steve Nash. But if you look at the 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 Suns under Mike D'Antoni, and you you look at them, and, and they were a team predicated on small ball. I mean, they, they played a lot of small ball. When, you know, when when Tony was the coach, they played small ball. Small ball. Played a lot of small ball. And the thing about that is this Lakers team is not small. Gasol and Howard, they're pounded type guys. I mean, you can pound it in. you got to pound it into Howard. You can pound it into Gasol as well. These guys are not those type of players. They're not. They're not uh, uh, stretch guys. You know, you remember the Suns and and Mike D'Antoni and the Suns and how they shot the three ball. I mean, they shot the three ball like no other. Um, you remember the, those years where you had uh, you had Quentin Richardson on the team, Joe Johnson on the team. I mean, uh, just, you know, these guys shot the three ball. There wasn't really a big man. Your, your center was pretty much Amari Stoudemire, so there wasn't size. You know, this was a team that that, that stretched. They stretched you. I mean, uh, the guys in that roster—they shot a lot of threes, a whole heck of a lot of threes. Joe Johnson, Quentin Richardson—I mean, those guys chucked it up. They chucked up threes, and again, it was small ball for the for the Phoenix Suns. And <clears throat> we look at Mike D'Antoni, and we haven't seen a guy who has adjusted. I mean, with the Knicks, and when he got mellow, he didn't adjust. He did not adjust, and and. The Knicks struggle. And then Mike Woodson takes over the Knicks, and he only has lost one home game since he's been the Knicks coach at this point. Only lost one home game, I should say, since he's been the Knicks coach. Only one lost, lost one game. One game at home as the Knicks coach. And, and this is a totally different team. They're still shooting the three a lot, but they're defending under Mike Woodson. They're defending under Mike Woodson. They're playing – Big time basketball I mean this is essentially The same roster Some changes You know you have Jake Kidd You also have uh, Raymond Felton But this is essentially The same team It's essentially The same team And The Knicks Look like world beaters Have the best record In the Eastern Conference Best record In the Eastern Conference Team that's beaten The Miami Heat twice Not only beaten The Miami Heat But blew the Miami Heat out This Knicks team So Mike D'Antoni, to me, this is still a hiring by the Lakers that makes me scratch my head. I'm still scratching whatever hair I have on the top of my head, and I'm bald. So I'm scratching. I'm scratching right now. And, And I'm trying to figure out why the Lakers did what they did. Why did the Lakers instead... Uh, of uh, why did they hire Mike D'Antoni instead of Phil Jackson? It's still something and a decision that kind of boggles my mind. It's it's mind-boggling. It's mind-blowing. I I can't wrap my hands around it right now. And I may never. I may never. And at the same time, are we jumping the gun on some level? Are we jumping the gun on some level in, in this respect? from this standpoint, the standpoint that, you know, okay, we understand that Nash and Gasol are out. And and these are two of the better players. So those guys are out. And so th- with those guys being out, it's understandable why the Lakers could be struggling and may be struggling. I mean, granted, you know, Darius Morris and Steve Blake and whoever else is playing point guard for those, Chris Duhon, they're not Steve Nash. We know that. We We know that. We get that. But at the same time, you would think those guys would be better defenders than Steve Nash. And when Steve Nash comes back, the Lakers, on the defensive end, end are going to be a different team. Are are, are they going to be strong? Are they going to get better with Steve Nash on the defensive end? Are they? Are they going to get better with Steve Nash on the defensive end? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. But I do know this. I do know this. This Laker team right now has been struggling and is struggling. And this Laker team, can they and will they turn this thing around? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm really not at this point. I mean, do they just get old and slower when when Nash and, and Gasol come back? Is that what happens to the Lakers? I mean, does it get better is the bottom line, is what I'm trying to say. When Nash and Gasol gets, come, comes back, does it get better? And if it doesn't get better, what do you do at that point? What do you do at that point? Is it time to think about trading possibly Gasol to get a, a power forward that may better suit what you're doing? To get a player that may better suit what you're doing? I mean, is that the answer for? the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, so many things that need to be answered, so many questions that need to be answered at this point when it comes to the Lakers right now. They're 10-14, and 14, and you look at the roster, you're saying there's no way a team with Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, um, Pau Gasol, Steve Nash, should be 10-14. and 14. There's no way. No way that should happen. No way that should happen. What well, is it's happening. It's happened, and it's continuing. Does it get better? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it gets better for the Los Angeles Lakers. Are they better than OKC? Are they better than San Antonio? Are they better than Clippers? These are questions that uh, at this point, at this point, you have to say no, obviously. But could it get better? It could. But how much better? Do these players fit the d'antoni system and if they don't does d'antoni adjust his system to fit his players he didn't do it in new york so history tells you that maybe not but maybe he learned his lesson and maybe he learned his lesson from what happened in new york with the knicks and what happened there with those players and not adjusting his system to the skill set of Melo. And not adjusting his system to the skill set of the players that the Knicks had a year ago. This should be interesting. This should be interesting. It should be very interesting to see how this situation plays out with the Knicks. I'm excuse me, with the Lakers. Could they at this point? If they feel midseason, it's it's not working out with Tony, Could they say? Could they give Phil a call again? Could could Phil get a call again? And could they ask Phil, you know what, buddy, friend, pal, do you want to come back? Do do you want to come back? Could that be what the next uh, the Lakers do? They go to Phil, ask Phil. You know what, Phil? What do you want to do over here, man? Do you want to come back? Do you want to? Do you want to play? I mean, do you want to coach the Lakers? Do you want to coach us? Do you want to coach this team? Do you want to put them over the top? Do the Lakers do that? Is that the move that the Lakers make? I mean, it's just so much, so many interesting twists and turns with this situation with the Lakers. Does it get better? Is the bottom line. It's, it's, a, it's the big question. Does it get better with Nash, with the return of Nash and, and the return of uh Gasol? Does it get better? Does it get better? My answer to that is simply, I'm not sure. I'm, at this point, I'm not sure if it does get better. Last I checked, Steve Nash. It's not a big-time defender. That's just last I checked. Last I checked. But at the same time, maybe Dwight Howard will defend the basket better. It seems like he's been doing that throughout the course of this season. You know, averaging two blocks a game, close to two-and-a-half blocks, close to three blocks a game for Dwight Howard. So he's definitely protecting the rim on some level. He's protecting the rim. So this is an interesting thing, an interesting story. And we'll see how this story plays out. Because it's going to play itself out. It's definitely going to play itself out. It's definitely going to play itself out. out. And... How it plays itself out should be very interesting. That should be very interesting. How this thing's going to play out, because you don't know. Gasol, bring him back. Gasol and bring him back. Steve Nash may not equate to championship success. May not equate to a better basketball team. It just may not. It just may not. It could. But even with those guys on the court, are they better than OKC, San Antonio, and the Clippers? The the Grizzlies as well. I forgot about the Grizzlies. Are they better than the Grizzlies? Are they better? And these are questions, again, that will be asked, will be answered, I should say. It's going to be asked. It's definitely being asked now. And it will be answered. It will be answered as the season progresses. It will be answered. It definitely will be answered. And you wonder what the answer is going to be. Well, I'll tell you what the answer is going to be. I think, I don't think the Lakers, are, the way it's all, present, the way it's constructed, I just don't think they're good enough. And, and, and that's just, Strange to say, when you look at that roster, they're just not good enough. They're just not good enough. They're not. They're not good enough. They're not a good enough basketball team. They're not a good enough basketball team. Even with Nash, even with Gasol, even with Dwight Howard, Metta World Peace, Antoine Jameson. They're not a good enough basketball team. The West is tough. The Western Conference has and always has been tough over the years, and it still is. The Western Conference is tough. That's a tough conference. It's a tough conference. I mean, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, the Clippers, Memphis, and even surprising Golden State Warriors at 15-8. and eight. If the season were to end today, and obviously it's only 23 games into the season, the Lakers would be the 12th seed in the Western Conference. As we know, only eight teams make the playoffs. So the Lakers <laughs> would not make the playoffs if the season were to end today. That's that's amazing. Granted, again, we're only 24 games in, and we still have a lot of basketball to be played. And when it's all said and done, the Lakers will be in the playoffs. But the Lakers are not about just making the playoffs. The Lakers are about winning championships. And is that possible with Mike D'Antoni as your coach? Is that truly possible? Time will tell. Time will tell. I want to go to the NFL now, and a lot of big-time games this week in the National Football League. A lot of big-time games in the National Football League. Let's go to break now, actually. You're listening to Go For it on Blog Talk Radio.
0: Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey, live host of Picture on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G. and Jeremy. Get it!
1: And we're about to Thank bring in start. now okay. a guy who's doing some big things in the community, a guy who's had a, had a great NBA career, the franchise, Steve Francis. Steve, how are you, man?
2: What's up, guys? How y'all doing, man?
1: Doing well. Thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, no problem, man.
1: What's up? And, and Steve, let's get right down to it. I want to talk about the Lakers right now, the mediocre Lakers, the Lakers that barely beat the Washington (laughs) Wizards last night. I mean, this is a team that's struggling right now. Steve, when you watch the Lakers, what's wrong? What what do you think is wrong? I just see right now that the timing is not there, like Kobe (laughs) even
2: When Kobe stated the other day, you know, the White's not, you know, back to where he really wants to be. Um, I think they're struggling in a mess to me. But of course, you know, they're like the Cowboys. Everybody's looking to play the Lakers, and everybody's going to go out and give them the best every single night. So right. they're, you know, they're, they're battling the time, but I think they, they can put it together eventually.
1: And you think they can put it together? I have some questions at this point, but Steve Nash is expected to come back. D. Nash can do a lot of things, but one thing that he is not known for is defending. This Lakers well, team is having a hard time defending teams as well. How I much does that's Nash that's is that's return? That's How much myself. does it help the Lakers?
2: I think offensively, that's what they're missing. I
1: mean, defensively,
2: uh, you know, the Antonio system is always going to score first type of uh, you know system. So I mean, they they're just going to try to outscore everybody, but. I don't think they're looking for him to come back and be a Gary Payton or something
1: like that. And and if they are, if they are, he can't do it. He definitely can't do it. And it's weird. I mean, I look at the situation with the Lakers, and I look at the coaching, and I say to myself, you had an opportunity at Phil Jackson. We're talking about the great Phil Jackson, and you decide to go with Mike D'Antoni. Is Mike D'Antoni the right guy for this job? Um, I wouldn't say he's better than Phil
2: Jackson. Uh, if, if the Lakers didn't want to pay that type of capital, I can understand it from their aspect. But, of course, we know they got the most money in the NBA probably. But, um, you know, they, they went with Dan Tony, But Phil Jackson would have been a heck of a fit for him. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not taking out for the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? I'm not taking out for them. But I, <laughs> I think for – you know, Mike Brown. It was just sad what happened to Mike Brown. And I really think that was an unfortunate situation for him.
1: Right. Well, so so on all, I mean, do you think they should have kept Mike
0: Brown? Uh I mean more than five games
2: at least. I mean right. I I think he should have been at least more than five games.
1: Yeah, five games is I mean it's that that was just strange how Hello? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You broke up. I'm sorry. Um, You you look at the – we look at the Lakers, the bad in the Lakers, but let's look at the good with the New York Knicks, your former team. They got the best record in the Eastern Conference. I mean, these guys are defending. These guys are hitting the threes. These guys are playing some big-time basketball. Are the Knicks for real?
2: I think, you know, one thing about the Knicks, I think, uh, you know, they got some key components that you know, come off the bench. Um, You know, I I played with uh, Steve Novak and I think he's doing a lot of clutch shooting for those guys. Carmelo's doing his thing. Uh, J.R. Spepper's doing good. So they got it. They got a good nucleus over there.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And it's interesting. I mean, you look at this Knicks team, this is essentially the same team that Mike D'Antoni had a year ago. And this team is way better than they were a year ago. Is that an indictment on Mike D'Antoni?
2: Oh, uh, it sounds like you're going after D'Antoni, buddy. I'm not jumping in that one. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, I, you know what, man? When you play in New York, that's completely different, man. You, you're playing in a quote-unquote mecca of basketball. So, every right. night those lights come on, it's like lights camera, about action, really, the it's a pressure money as soon as you walk out they that locker room. Um, right. But I, I, I really think the way that they're playing right now, Carmelo stepped this game up, uh, you know, they've they become a good team.
1: We're talking to the franchise, Stevie Francis. And, Steve, let's go out west right now. Let's look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are 19-4. Even after the Harden trade, they really haven't missed a beat. You got the Clippers out west who are balling. You got the Spurs who are still there. You got the Grizzlies who are a big-time basketball team as well. But all in all, is O K C the best team out west still?
2: Uh pretty much. I mean, of course Miami won last year. Um, you know, the West has tough teams. Even the East both both have tough teams. But I think, you know, uh with the Western Commerce with like seven or eight powerhouses out there, uh right.
1: it's gonna to be tough to beat them. Definitely. I mean, the, the, the West is, is stacked. And when those playoffs start, it, it, it should be good. should be some good, good basketball when that gets started in the playoffs. And speaking of Oklahoma City, I wanted to get your take here. You had James Harden, who eventually would go to your Houston Rockets. But he essentially took $25 million more to go with the Rockets, hypothetically speaking. If you were in James Harden's situation, would you stay with OKC and possibly be a part of a dynasty, or would you go to the Houston Rockets and take the extra $25 million?
2: It depends where he, where he was in his career. You know, um, was the money more important, or was winning championships more important? So um, I wouldn't even want to put myself in, in, in his shoes because that's, that's a tough decision if you want the money, or do you want to continue to win championships, which they possibly could have done over you know a, a period of time but
1: right. you know uh you know money talks, you know that. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. Twenty five million dollars can get you a lot of things. A lot of things. That's, uh, <laughs> <everybody>. <laughs> and, and and we look at that the acquisition of James Harden. As a former Rocket, how do you like the acquisition of Harden for the Rockets?
2: I actually went to the Lakers game the other day. Um, Okay. To me, he is an excellent talent. Um, As far as them being a go-to player consistently, I, I, I don't see that yet. But them just getting comfortable with being known as the face of the Rocket. I mean, of course you have Jeremy Lin over there. But at the same time for him, it's going to take time for him to adjust. To be like, right. hey, I got to be the guy to shoot the ball when it's five seconds left, rather than being a six man coming off the bench.
1: And and that that is the question in terms of James Harden—is he truly a franchise guy? And he's getting paid like a franchise guy, so I guess on some level he has to be. Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> and and earlier this year, your former coach Jeff Van Gundy had an interesting comment. He said his biggest regret is he tried to change you too soon. Looking back on that whole situation, did you think that really was the case?
2: It, it, I mean, at that, at that time, I'm really when when Coach Randy came over, I really thought I was unstoppable, you know. Okay. And uh, he didn't want me to shoot as much. He didn't want you know. He wanted me to defend more. Uh, did we both make mistakes at that time? Yes, we both did. And uh, and, I, and and I was so excited that he recognize that through, you know, our relationship. But we still remain friends to this day, um, and okay. him cool as a fan.
1: And the funny thing is he says he coached a Russell Westbrook. He coached Steve Francis. Do you see any similarities between you and Westbrook's game? Westbrook
2: is a tough individual, man. He's a very tough basketball player. And, uh, I mean, he's he's very aggressive. He's very aggressive. Uh, he wants to get to the bucket he wants for. Make sure he finishes man off at any aspect. And with that being said, you know those are some of the things that I usually try to accomplish myself.
1: And you did it. uh you did it for for a long time. We're talking to the franchise, Steve Francis. And Steve, you're doing big things in the community now with the Steve Francis Foundation. You have a big time event coming up tomorrow in Houston with the 12th annual Holiday Extravaganza. Tell us about some of the great things that will be happening at this event.
2: Uh, first first of all, I just want to say uh, thank y'all for having me on. Uh, second of all, like these things right here are priceless moments that you see where, you know, you, you're able to help a family with toys and things like that for kids. Uh, so tomorrow here in Houston, we're having our event and, you know, it's going to be great.
1: And, I mean, I, I looked at the website, man. you got a lot of great stuff going on there. It's a little bowling, a little little bunch of everything. I mean, the kids really should be excited at this event.
2: Yeah, donate some money while you're at it, buddy.
1: <laughs> 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 definitely. I mean, definitely support some of the great things Steve Francis is doing. And I saw an interesting quote on your website, SteveFrancisFoundation.com. The quote was, that's what God put me on this earth to do, to be a role model. I'm here to show them that there is always a way to get through it. Tell us about that quote. It was
2: just uh, just the, the the gut feeling about you know just seeing these families, seeing um, these type of things, you know, and just being able to realize like, damn, you can help somebody out at the same time, but and not be brash about it. You can just be yourself, be you know a regular human being, and that that's where it came from.
1: Right and and I mean you're doing you're doing big things you did big things on the court and you're doing big things off the court man and I mean I can I can hear the excitement in your voice man you really enjoy giving back and really enjoy helping the less fortunate.
2: Yeah, I mean I I, I mean I grew up in Washington D.C. You know we we my mom had food stamps. I don't know y'all know what that is. Food
1: stamps. I do so, I do
2: I do. You know, I do. I, that's what I grew up on, man. So. If I'm able to help the community in any aspect, I'm there for
1: And, you know, I, I dabbled in food stamps a little bit as a youngster myself, so uh, I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, and, Steve, uh, I wanted to change.
2: When you had the food stamps, did you hide when you ran in the store?
1: Um, I used to let my brother go. I was a little ashamed of it. <laughs> I'm a oh, little God. bit ashamed of it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I'm not on food stamps now. You're not on food stamps now. And you know where? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I know, Steve, right you, you dabbled a little bit in boxing. Are you still doing some things in boxing? Was, you know, uh, I've been
2: dealing uh, with James Prince down here in Houston. You know, you have a lot of boxers down here. So we, we've been... You know, chopping it up, trying to get some things together, and
1: uh, hopefully we'll get back to the top. And I, I remember I remember watching Tony Thompson Klitschko fight the first one. And I, I saw you in the locker room. I know I saw you around Sean Bay Mitchell as well. Uh, so I know you've been involved in the boxing scene. And also, Steve, you, you know boxing. You like boxing. What do you think about what you saw last week? Pacquiao Marquez.
2: <laughs> no comment.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow! I mean, uh, I mean those guys are true warriors. They really fought, you know. They, they fought four times, so those guys really, you know, they when they see each other, it's like it's a, a complete beef. Like they're beefing with each other, so you know you're gonna get that type of thing. But I, I think they might fight again if they do. Uh, you know, hopefully it'll be a good fight.
1: You know, the one thing about that fight that that you know it was a good fight, great fight, obviously. But the thing that, that hurt me is now we may not see Pacquiao Mayweather.
2: Oh, well, uh, man. I, I mean, of course, Floyd did, the, uh, you know, he wanted to test Pacquiao for steroids and things like that. But that definitely would have been a great fight. If they fight now, I'm not sure if they'll fight. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe I need to call my inside sources and my Stephen A. Smith voice might call the sources <laughs> to find out. But, uh, call, maybe they will
1: fight. Call your sources. Let me know. Let me know what you what you get when you call your sources. Pass it along to me. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> Steve, good. obviously, again, you're doing great things in the community. Fans, go out and support some of the great things Steve Francis has going on. SteveFrancisFoundation.com. Follow Steve and his foundation on Twitter. You've got SteveFranchise3 and also sf 3 foundation Follow this man on Twitter. Go to his website. Support some of the great things he's doing in the community. He's giving back. He's giving back, and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. To whom much is given, much is expected. And, Steve, you're doing your thing, man. Keep doing it.
2: Appreciate it. We'll get back on I'll get back on the air with y'all probably next week or a couple of weeks or so, whatever.
1: Definitely. Steve, I want to have you back on. Talk some more basketball. Talk some more of this foundation, man. Keep doing what you're doing.
2: I appreciate it, honey.
1: Take care. Right. The franchise, Stevie Francis, doing some great things in the community. Great things in the community. I mean, I gotta give this man a lot of credit with his foundation, Steve Francis Foundation. Go to his website, Steve com. Follow this man on Twitter at Steve Franchise Three and also at SF Three Foundation. That is his foundation. Uh, Twitter handle. So follow his foundation on Twitter at SF3 Foundation. I mean, interesting talking to Steve Francis and some of the great things he has going on in the community. And unfortunately, we always hear about the bad things with professional athletes and we need to hear about more of the good. And he's all about the good. He's all about the good and some of the good things he is doing. Great things he's doing in the community and giving back. Give them back, and that's what you're supposed to do. You make a lot of money, you give it back, and then the money will come back to you. That's what you got to do. You make a lot, you give it back, and it will keep coming to you. Give, and it will come back to you. And that's what Steve Francis has been doing throughout his career, and that's what he's doing now after his career. Pleasure talking to the great Steve Francis. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Cleveland Browns defensive end Jabal Sheard, and the Browns are on a three-game winning streak, and we're going to talk to Jabal about that and some of the great things that his Browns are doing these last three weeks. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio.
0: Mita, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picture on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it!
1: Thank you, sir. And we're back. And we're back. And I want to go to the NFL now. The NFL... A lot of, a lot of, a lot a lot of interesting things happening in the NFL. you got a lot of big football games coming up this weekend. A whole lot of big football games coming up this weekend. I mean, this is going to be exciting, and this, is going to, this may answer some questions that we may have about who's going to make it to the playoffs, who's going to win divisions, who, who's going to do all those things. I mean, this is a big week. Who's going to get top seeds in the conferences? This is big. I mean big games. Giants Falcons. A rematch of the playoff game a year ago. Giants Falcons. That's gonna be a big football game. I mean you could say the Falcons have the best record in the NFC or but are they truly the best team in the NFC? We shall see moving forward. Their their big deal is what's gonna happen come playoff time. You got the Bears and Packers. Packers have a one game lead on the Bears in the NFC North. This game is in Chicago. And this is going to be a big-time football game. This is We're going to find out and we're going to figure out who is going to be on top of the NFC North and watching this game. That should be an interesting game. That's a game I'm looking forward to it as well. You got Broncos-Ravens. That's a game I had circled on my calendar for the longest. I had that game circled on my calendar for the longest time. Broncos-Ravens. To me, that's going to tell me, you know what, what are the Denver Broncos about? Are they really, really real? And I look at the Broncos, and I look at this football team, and I look at some of the victories they've had over the past few weeks. Yes, they're 10-3. and 3. Yes, they won the AFC West. Yes, they've done all those things. But who have they beat? Oakland, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, San Diego, twice. Carolina, Cincinnati, New Orleans, Oakland again. That is not the who's who's in the National Football League. That is not the top guys, the top teams in the National Football League. Those teams. Those teams. I mean, so this is a game I had marked on my calendar for the longest. I circled this on my calendar. This is the game that tells me how really real the Broncos are. This game is going to tell me all I need to know about The Denver Broncos. I'm interested to see what the Denver Broncos are about, and I'm going to find out. I believe this week against. I believe I'm going to find out this week against the Denver Broncos. I'm going to find that out. I mean against the Baltimore Ravens. Excuse me. I'm going to find that out. I'm going to find out all I need to know about the Denver Broncos this week. This will tell us a lot, folks. Are the Broncos really real? And I keep making this point up. Or I keep making this point over and over. And, unfortunately, if you heard it, I'm going to have to make it again. You step up week two against the Falcons, the 11-2 Atlanta Falcons. You lose 27-21. to At one point, you were down 21 to nothing in that particular football game. Okay. You go. You play the Tennessee Titans. I mean, that's the Tennessee Titans. The Houston, Texas, at home in Denver, and you lose 31 to 25 at one point you were down 31 to 11. Okay, you step up again. Step up again. To the New England Patriots. You step up there. And at one point you were down 31 to 7 in the third quarter. Every time you stepped up Denver, every time you stepped up, every time you stepped up, you were a disappointment. It was early in the season, I'll give you that. Okay, with all that being said, it was earlier in the, early in the season. I'll give you all that. I understand all that. But you know what? It ain't early in the season now. It's not early in the season now. It's week 15 in the National Football League. It's week 15. So now it's step-up time. Are you really, really real? Are you real? Are you for real? Are you for real? And we'll find out how real you are, Denver. We'll find out how real you are. Because I don't know how real you are. I have doubts that you really are real. Granted, I had Denver going to the Super Bowl to start the season. But this team, every time they stepped up, they weren't a success. You were not a success. You were not a success. And we'll see if that changes tomorrow in Baltimore. We'll see if that changes in Baltimore. I have my doubt. But I'm just interested to see. I'm just interested to see. I'm very interested to see. Very interested to see how really real the Denver Broncos are. I have my doubts. I have some doubts, but, yes, this defense has been playing well. Yes, Peyton Manning has been playing at the MVP level, and, yes, 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 I get all that. But let's see what happens now in a step-up situation against the Baltimore Ravens. Also another big football game, Texans-Colts. And I, I tweeted this the other day, and, and i and I say it to you now, and believe it or not, These two teams play another time last week of the season. But these two teams now, if the Indianapolis Colts win their final three games, and two of them are against the Texans, if they win their final three, guess what? The Indianapolis Colts win the AFC South. They win the AFC South. That's crazy. That's crazy. The so nine and four Indianapolis Colts. If they win the final, their final three games, two of them are against the Houston Texans, and we look, we see that Houston Texans defense it is not, hasn't, that defense has not been playing well of late. They have not been playing well of late. So we shall see, folks, we shall see how real the Texans are at this point. I mean, the funny thing is, Falcons' special record in the NFC, but do you really think the Falcons are do – you, do you really believe in the Falcons? Do you think the Falcons are invincible? Do you think the Falcons are unbeatable? I think not. And then you look at the Texans in the AFC, 11-2. and two, Do you think the Texans – Are unbeatable? Unstoppable? I think not. I think not. So, this should be an interesting playoff, obviously. Obviously, it's going to be interesting playoffs. Obviously, it's going to be an interesting playoff. But, it is wide open. It is wide open. Very wide open. If you think and you think you know that the Texans or the Falcons, the two teams with the best records in this conferences, do you think those teams are, are, are unbeatable teams, unstoppable teams? I don't think so. I don't think so. And with that being said with that being said, you look at this 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 these playoffs and you look at What's going on right now? You gotta look at the whole situation and, and, and say, you know what? This should make for a great time in January. This should make for a great January. Because I don't know. I don't know if the Texans are the best team in the AFC. I don't know if the Falcons are the best team in the NFC. And I, I do know this. The Indianapolis Colts control their own destiny. They control their own destiny. So if the Colts were to win out, and two of those games are against the Texans, if the Colts were to win out, the Indianapolis Colts would win, would win the AFC South. Strange, 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 but the Colts control their own destiny. They control their own destiny. So do the Texans as well but to 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 have an opportunity to control your own destiny at this point in the season, especially since you are the Colts and especially since you're a team that won two games a year ago, that's big that is big and then there's more there's a lot of there's a lot more big football going on this week, you've got the Steelers and Cowboys, two teams fighting for their playoffs lives, two teams battling. You got the Steelers battling for the wild card spot, and then you have uh, you got the uh, you got the Steelers battling for the wild card spot, and then you got uh, the Cowboys battling for division. and And I handicapped the NFC East last week, and my handicapping uh, the decision and what what I decided and what 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 I believe is going to happen. I think the Washington Redskins and RG three are going to win the NFC East. They're going to win the NFC. The Giants' schedule is murder. That schedule is tough. You go to Atlanta, to Atlanta, to Atlanta tomorrow, a team that is coming off a bad loss against the Panthers, a team that you beat in the playoffs, so you know they want some revenge. So, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting, man. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be interesting. And I, the Falcons, I just think, you know, with the Falcons, are they real? The Texans, are they real? Are they really real? And then you look at the Giants, the team that won the Super Bowl a year ago, they have a tough schedule. Do they even make the playoffs? Do they even make the playoffs? And I say, no. The Giants, the New York football Giants, Eli Manning, Victor Cruz, Hakeem Nix, Bradshaw, Yuman Tuck, those boys, they're not making the playoffs. The New York football Giants will not make the playoffs. They will not make the playoffs. And it starts tomorrow in Atlanta. They will not make the playoffs. They will not make the playoffs. The New York Giants, the Super Bowl champion New York Giants will not make the playoffs. Crazy, huh? Crazy. But it's true. They will not make the playoffs. I said it. The New York Giants will not make the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. They're not. It's not happening, folks. The Giants will not make the playoffs. RG3 and the Washington Redskins will win the NFC East. The Redskins will win the NFC East. Giants, your schedule, it's just too hard. It's just too hard, man. Too hard. You're not going to win all those games. You're just not. You're just not going to win those games. It's not happening, folks. It's not happening. You're not beating Atlanta in Atlanta, especially with the Falcons coming off the loss that they had a week ago against the Carolina Panthers, the lowly Carolina Panthers. You're not. It's not happening, man. And then... After care, after Atlanta, you go to Baltimore. And we'll get back to that discussion in a moment about the Giants and the Giants not making the playoffs. Let me put it out there again. The Giants will not make the playoffs. But I want to bring in a guy now whose team has been hot. I mean, the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns. Three-game winning streak. This team is 5-8 and eight right now. If they can win their final three games, they can end the season 500. And one of the guys who's been a part of the three-game winning streak is their defensive end Jabal Shear? Let's bring him in now. Defensive end for the Cleveland Browns, Jabal Sheer. Jabal, how are you, man?
2: I'm great, man. How are you?
1: Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And no I look at your team right now. You guys are playing some good football. You beat the Kansas City Chiefs last week, 30 to 17. Your defense had five sacks. Your special teams chipped in for a touchdown. Trent Richardson had two big touchdowns himself. Talk about your team's performance last week against the Chiefs.
2: Uh, we did a great, great job uh, hitting on all phases. Uh, I mean, offense showed up, special teams showed up, and we played well on defense.
1: And, and that's what you guys did, and, and it showed. I mean, 30-7 to 7 against the Chiefs. I mean, it was a blowout. It wasn't and You guys have been putting in work, and you're putting in some big-time work, having won three games in a row. You're at 5-8 right now. What has been the key for the Browns over these last three games?
2: Uh, just focus in on, on one game at a time, and everybody just paying attention to details. And I mean, coaches has, has been on us a little bit harder, and everybody just paying attention and one-on-one. And I and,
1: and I talked about what you guys have been doing. One of the reasons you guys have been successful is your defense. You don't give up twelve points in these last three games. Talk about the play of your defense at this point in the season.
2: Uh, we we have a great defensive uh, coordinator, uh, Coach Duran. He, he puts us in a great position. Uh, he's always honest about turnovers, and uh, that's something that we've been doing lately. And we've been showing up. And uh, I mean, we got a great great leader in in the Quell, and, uh, and, Dequell, and um, I mean, he forces you to play hard every play,
1: right? And and you've been playing hard. And the team has been playing hard. And one guy who's been playing hard is your quarterback, Brandon Weeden, for over three thousand yards. a third Browns quarterback to do it. Since 1999, and he's been playing decent of late. And the team, again, obviously has five wins, and that is a record for a Browns rookie quarterback as well. Talk about the play of Brandon Whedon. Uh,
2: he, he's developing. He's coming along. I mean, he came in. He uh he he's uh he's getting better every game. Um, I mean, he, he works hard every day at the, on the practice field. Um, I mean, he got some great receivers that's making plays for him as well. That's helping him. And uh, I mean, with Trent running up the middle, yeah, I mean that also helps him out a lot as well.
1: And you talked about Trent Richardson. Let's talk about his season. I mean, a stellar rookie season, tied to Brown's record with nine touchdowns as a rookie for the Browns. How impressed have you been with Richardson?
2: Uh, he's, he's been doing excellent. Um, I mean, he goes hard every play. He uh, makes one or two miss and, and is going to run over somebody. I mean, he's a he's a tough back, and uh, I mean, he gets downhill. And I mean, he, he wants to. He wants. To, he wants to score. He wants to win. So, I mean, I'm, I've been impressed with him so far.
1: We're talking to Browns defensive end Jabal Sheard, and Jabal, over the past five games, you've had three sacks, and you're finishing strong like you did last season. You started off last season with two and a half sacks, and then the final ten weeks, you had six sacks over last season. Talk about your season as a whole this year. Uh,
2: I mean, I just been focusing more in on, on stopping the run and. Trying to help the team, uh, just just stop the run. And um, I mean, last year I, I was a, a bit young, so I had a little bit of free will to mess up. And I've just been trying to focus in on not messing up, not having any MAs, and just doing my job and helping the team.
1: What's up with you in these late finishes, these strong finishes, man? <laughs> How's it happen this way?
2: I, I don't know, man. I just I just kind of get the feel of, during the season. Um, I, I, as the season go on, I just start to get more and more comfortable. And, we, I think us as a defense, I get we get more comfortable around each other on, on defense and know where each other's going to be. And uh, I mean, you just get a feel for the game man, and you just keep playing.
1: Last year you had eight and a half sacks. At this point you have four sacks. Are, are you a little disappointed about that?
2: Uh yeah, definitely. I want I wanted to start off better. I, I was I was I wanted to do better than I did last year. But I mean, I, I still had a chance to. Uh, I'm gonna continue to play hard and hopefully it all pays off.
1: And, Jabal, you guys want to keep up with your winning ways tomorrow. You've got a big game against the Washington Redskins. You want to keep that streak alive, obviously. RG3 is questionable. If he doesn't go, Kirk Cousins will be the starter. Have you guys prepared for both quarterbacks this week?
2: Uh, yeah, we, we've been prepared for, for mainly just the run game. I mean, you know they, they have a great running back and they have a great run game. Uh, we were just focusing on stopping all the runs and just going over every play they have, you know, uh, First, it's gonna start with stopping the run, and and then if Kirk Cousins play or or uh, RG is in there, I mean, it's gonna be the same game. We got to get after the quarterback and and just get after him.
1: You you obviously watched film this week of RG three. What what did you see about the guy? What, what what popped out for you?
2: I mean, his speed, obviously. Uh, I mean, he also has a strong arm, but but mainly his speed. Man. He he has a ability to get around the edge even when you have contain he he can break contain even when you when you're outside waiting uh i mean he can run right past you he can break you down and uh i mean you just got to stay disciplined and uh i mean everybody got got to get to the ball and and tackle him
1: we're talking to browns defensive end ball Sheard, and as i said earlier you guys are five and eight you win the final three games and you can finish at eight and eight how big would eight and eight be for you guys
2: I think that would be big for us, uh, not only us, just the, the city of Cleveland. I mean, they, they've they been down in football, and everybody's been looking for a winning team. And, I mean, I think I think that would be huge just coming from where we started. But, I mean, we just got to pay attention and, and just take it one game at a time and just focus in on this week.
1: And, again, you win the final three games, you go 8-8. Eight and eight, And you, you talk about the future of the Browns. I mean, you, you seem to have a quarterback there in Brandon Wheaton. You seem to have a running back in Trent Richardson you got a solid defense as well. Are you excited about the future of the Browns?
2: Yeah, I think we all are. Um, I mean, we, we all knew we got a lot of talent in the locker room. We we, we pride ourselves of being one of the most talented young teams out there. And, uh, I mean, we just all had to put it together, and uh, we got to continue doing it week in and week out. Uh, lately it's been, it's been hitting for us, and everybody, all the young guys have been stepping up and making plays. And uh, it's just something we got to continue doing.
1: And you look back earlier in the season, you guys obviously playing well right now, but you look back earlier in the season, you guys were in a lot of tough close games. You lost a lot of tough close games. Looking back on those games now, is it, is it kind of frustrating because of the way you guys are ending now and how well you guys have been playing of late?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And all those games we lost were close games that, that we lost. So, I mean, we knew we had a good, good squad, like I said, but It just was a matter of time before we all get it together. And, I mean, the main thing was we'll be hitting on special teams sometimes and wouldn't be playing good on defense or hitting good on offense and wouldn't be playing good on defense.
0: And now finally
2: we're getting all three going, and uh, everybody's playing well, young guys making plays. I mean, you know, Josh over there making plays in and out the game. So, I mean, if we just continue to do that, we'll be all right.
1: And, Jabal, this is a great time of the year. It's Christmas time. What does Jabal Shear want for Christmas? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'd be cool if I could just get the 11s uh, that come out Friday.
1: Okay, okay. That's it? Yeah,
2: I'm good
1: with that. What are you going to buy yourself for Christmas?
2: What, uh, what am I going to get myself? Yeah. Uh, probably those 11s that come out Friday. That's it? Uh, yeah.
1: Okay, okay. I mean, you're going to get the 11s. I mean, it's going to happen. How many are you going to get? <laughs>
2: I don't want to be greedy. I want two pair of man. They they
1: like one of the toughest shoes I right
2: now. And, uh, okay. Okay. It's gonna a hassle, but I'm gonna
1: try and get them. So you're about that 11
2: life. Yeah, man. Uh, you, uh, <laughs> New guys that drug Friday, they they tough.
1: All right, all right. And uh, I think you'll I think you'll find it. I think you'll get them. I think you'll be
0: all right. Appreciate
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure. it. Jabal, obviously you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter?
2: Uh my name at Jabal Sheard.
1: Okay. Okay. Fans connect with this guy, Jabal Sheard of the other Cleveland Browns. Putting in work for the Browns. The Browns putting in work right now. Three game winning streak, five at eight. And and who knows, they win the final three games. This team could be eight and eight, and that's that's a big accomplishment for the Cleveland Browns. I know you're 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 a Miami, you're a Florida guy. You're a Heat definitely. fan?
2: Definitely, definitely.
1: Uh how you feel about your Heat at this point?
2: Oh, uh, we're doing all right, man. LeBron's been carrying us. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm really a Wade fan, so I hate to see Wade doing so bad this year. But, I mean, once he get it going, he'll start back in and uh, take
1: charge. There's been some whispers that Wade could be done. Do you believe it? You said what? There, there's been some whispers that people are saying that Dwayne Wade may have lost a step. Do you believe it?
2: I mean, I hear him. Uh, I mean, nah, man. He, he plays too <laughs> hard. Every play he plays hard. I mean, it's just,
1: it's just a matter of time before the baskets fall for him. Okay, okay. I, I, and I agree. I don't think he's done just yet. I think he's still got some game left. And I think the Heat are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Even though the Knicks have the best record, I still think the Heat are the best team and probably the best team in basketball. Even though they don't have the best record, I still think when it's all said and done, they're, they're going to be a hard team to beat. Definitely a hard Definitely. team to beat. Definitely. explosive Dubai. everywhere, man.
2: They're explosive yeah, everywhere. Def- I, I think the Knicks are doing pretty good, too. But they're, they're going to be
1: tough to beat as well this year. The Knicks are going to be tough, but if the, if I would say still that the Heat would still beat the Miami, the, not the Miami, would still beat the New York Knicks in a seven-game series. The Heat would still beat the Knicks in a seven-game series. I, I I still believe that's the case, but it could change. Yeah, most definitely. I'm with you. Jabal fans, make sure you follow this man on Twitter. His name Jabal Sheard. Jabal, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck, man, and uh, hopefully you guys can get to 500, man, and hopefully we can do this again.
2: All right, man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me.
1: No problem. Take care. All
2: right. You too. Ball
1: sheared. Sheard, defensive end for the Cleveland Browns. And his Browns, his Browns, three-game winning streak. And who knows? Who knows? The Browns, the Browns could finish the season at 500. The Browns could finish the season at 500. Believe it. Or not. Crazy. It's crazy. But the Browns could end this season at five hundred. Second hour of go for it. We're a little late with this, but the second hour of go for it starts right now. Forward, And in this hour, we're going to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And Willie, actually, tomorrow, he's going to be honored tomorrow at the Saints game uh, for getting into the Hall of Fame. And they're going to celebrate that tomorrow in New Orleans at halftime. And so that's an exciting time for Willie Rofe. And uh, he's also going to be there taking pictures and signing autographs. So make sure if you're in the New Orleans area, 10 o'clock to 1115 a.m. tomorrow, Willie Rofe will be out there signing autographs and so maybe go out there, check out, and, and meet the great Willie Roof, Hall of Famer Willie Roof, a guy who's done it big throughout the course of his illustrious career, done it real big, real big. And he, he was a uh, obviously his Hall of Famer, one of the best tackles to ever play the game. So fans, if you are in the New Orleans area, 10 o'clock to 1115, uh, check out Willie Rofe, uh Have an opportunity um, to possibly get some autographs and you, know, you might make a new friend. I want to move, and speaking of the Saints, I want to move to the bounty scandal scandal now. And you have it now, Commissioner Tagliabue, he came out, he was in charge now that the investigation was turned over to him, and he basically said this, he basically said this, there was some things going on, but this was a situation with the organization. This was a situation where the organization should have been punished and not the players. Well, Commissioner Tagliabue, you've been saying what I've been saying over these past few months. I've been saying the same exact thing. This is an organizational issue. The organization put these things in place. The organization did this. They put up bounties and and so on and so forth. This organization was warned about this a couple years before they actually got penalized. They were warned. They were told, and they continued to do it. They said, forget about you, Commissioner Goodell, because forget about you, the league. We're going to do what we want to do. This is our our locker room. This is our team. We're going to do what we want to do. And it is what it is, and you can't do anything about it. You can't do one single solitary thing about it. And so that's what happened. And you know what? You know what? The league said, you know what? We can't do something about it. You continued it. Now it's time to drop the hammer. They dropped the hammer. Sean Payton gone. Vic gone for six games. Uh, Greg Williams suspended indefinitely. Mickey Loomis going eight games. So they dropped the hammer. They dropped it hard. And they also dropped it on the players, and and that was my issue. Players play. The organization is the organization. The organization was warned, and we don't know if the organization even told the players About this, the warning, you don't even know how much the players know about this, but the bottom line is this, it was in place, I think, and I think it was in place, but the bottom line is this, the players, while they may have some involvement in it, they were not the ones who should have been penalized, and that's what I've been saying this whole time. I was okay with all the, the organization getting uh, fine I mean, guys in the organization getting suspended, and ultimately that suspension of John Payton may have cost the Saints their 2012 season. But anyway, anyway, the Saints now with Velma, Smith, Fajita, Hargrove, those guys, now the, the, the penalties, there is no penalties. They move on with their lives. And I know Velma still has his defamation lawsuit, still moving forward with his defamation lawsuit against Roger Goodell. I I would think at this point, I mean, that's ultimately his decision, you know, that it's his decision on how he wants to handle it. But if if I was him in his position, I would just leave it alone, just move on. It is what it is. They can't affect your money, really. I know – his name is big and it means something to him. And your name is big and it's important. And obviously you want to keep your good name. We all do. We all do. We all do want to keep our good name. You know, sometimes your name is, is, is worth more than money. And I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Your your name is important. Who you are and how you're you're viewed is important. Your reputation is important. Some say it's priceless. I just think, you know what, I would think it would be time to just say this is going on long enough. I mean, you've dealt with this for such a long time. I would think at this point it's like, you know what, let's just move on. Let's just move on, get this behind me, and just move on with my life. That's what I would do if I was Vilma. But, again, I'm not Jonathan and and his name is important to him, and I don't knock him for doing it. Because his name is important He believes his name is important His name is important to him And so he's going to do what he has to do To fight it He's going to have to do what he has to do To fight it Fight for his good name He's going to do it And he's continuing to do it And he's going to move forward With With He's going to move on forward With his uh, lawsuit and everything So It is what it is but I, I think Commissioner Tagliabue has been finally just spoke my language pretty much when he made his decision because that was what I was been that's what I've been talking about these past months now. I've said this is something that, as far as I'm concerned, the players don't need to be suspended. The players don't need to be suspended. I'm just glad these guys are able to get game checks. And I know Hargrove is having some issues in terms of getting back into the league and he was cut by the Packers this off season. But you wonder how much this bounty scandal has something to do with that. But anyway, he ultimately was cut and he's the only one in a lot of ways who's missing game checks. Fajita's so out for the year with a neck injury, maybe out for a career. But, you know, Will Smith and Vilma, they've, they've gotten their game checks and that's a good thing for those boys. But all in all, All in all, I look at this whole thing, and and I agree with Commissioner Tagliabue. I agree with him. I agree with him. I think that, you know what, the punishment for the players was not necessary. Was not necessary. The players did not need to be punished. They did not need to be punished. And that was my issue the whole time. That was my issue the whole time. The players. And whether or not they should be punished. They should not have been punished. They really should. And you look at it, But review's issue wasn't really – his issue pretty much was saying, you know what, the organization should have been punished, not the players. And and that was pretty much what he was saying. That's pretty much what he was saying. But you look at it now, you wonder now, in terms of Roger Goodell, his power and his credibility in some respects. You wonder what's going to happen there, because Roger Goodell, he stepped on the scene and he was like almost godlike in some respects. Some of the decisions he was making, and just you 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 couldn't touch him. He was judge, jury, and executioner. I mean, he, he was doing it all, and you couldn't do anything about it. If he made the decision, you couldn't do nothing about it. Not a single solitary thing about it. Now, one thing about it, and the players had an opportunity to to, to fix that on some level this time around, but they chose not to. They chose to fight other issues, and Roger Goodell continued to keep his power and to have his power. And, again, Commissioner Tagliabue agreed with the findings of the league He agreed with the findings of the league. He has no problem with the findings of the league. He believes, he just believes, that the players were the ones who should not be punished and the organization is the one, are the ones, I should say, that should be punished. The organization is the one that should be punished. I'm just glad this is somewhat over. Somewhat over. You got to see what happens with the Sean Payton thing and his contract. But as a whole, this thing is, is, is behind us. And, and it was just kind of annoying to hear about it from time to time. And it, it just bounties as a whole have been a part of football since the beginning of time. You know, it, it's been a part of football since the beginning of time. And so, I mean, it's just it's just the nature of the game. It's the nature of the game. And maybe and do you think people will still do these type of things? They probably will. From the standpoint that you know what, they'll do it. They'll just probably do a better job of concealing it and hiding it. They're going to continue to do it. I think this is going to continue to happen in locker rooms throughout the course throughout the NFL. And it's probably still happening in locker rooms around the NFL. Probably. Probably going on around, probably going on in locker rooms around the NFL. So, I remember, you know, just saying throughout the whole course of this time, throughout this whole time, the whole time I've been on record as saying, you know what, organization should pay, the players should not. The players should not. And Roger Goodell now. You wonder what happens to his power. You wonder now when he when he levies a suspension or a penalty, if he may not be as heavy-handed. Would he be a little more judicious in in his his when when giving out a penalty? You wonder. You wonder. But I'm just you know again. I'm glad this is behind everybody. I'm glad we don't really have to talk about it anymore. And, from a, you know, you look at the Saints and would it have made a difference if these players weren't suspended? No, probably would not have because uh, as a whole, Vilma missed the first six games anyway. He was going to miss those first six games anyway. Um, and so the defense as a whole for the Saints has been a struggle. It's been a struggle for the Saints on the defensive side of football. It's been a struggle this season. been an absolute struggle. Maybe it had been a difference. I don't know if Sean Payton was there, but Sean Payton doesn't coach defense. So how much of a difference would have would it have been? How much of a difference would it have been? One never knows. I don't think it would have been. I mean, if Sean Payton was there, I think it would be different because the coach obviously is big. He's your head coach. He's the head. He's a leader of your team. And you don't have the distraction of not having your coach. But as a whole, as a whole, As a whole, the Saints, without Sean Payton, have struggled. Defensively, they've struggled big time, big time. And that's one of the reasons they are in a place that they're in right now, because the defensive side of football let them down. And granted, over the weeks, Drew Brees has been throwing some interceptions of late, but offensively, the Saints have played good enough to be a playoff-caliber team. I thought the Saints were going to actually win the NFC so and the funny thing is I watched the Saints in this off season, watched them in the preseason, and I was saying, you know what, maybe they won't be distracted. Maybe this team will kind of pull together and say, you know what, we lost our coach, but we're going to pull together and we're going to make things happen regardless of what has happened. I thought that was going to be the case with the Saints. I really did. I really thought that was going to be the case with the Saints, and and it it wasn't. It wasn't at all. It really wasn't. I mean, the Saints defensively were just that bad. They They were that bad on the defensive side of football. They were that bad. They couldn't stop no one. They didn't stop anyone. They couldn't stop me, you, and nine of our closest friends. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it, and the Saints, because of that, and ultimately they got the they got to the 500, they got back to 500, which was a big accomplishment in my mind, getting back to 500, but the Saints even getting back to 500. and I thought, you know, I looked at the Saints when they got back to 500, and I was thinking there's a possibility maybe this offense could carry them through, this offense, this big-time offense that the Saints had, but it, it really wasn't enough. It was not enough to carry them through, and it did not carry them through. And ultimately, ultimately, this team now is in a position where they're now just playing out the string. They're really playing out, playing out the string, playing spoiler at this point because that's all they are right now. Spoilers. They're spoilers, and that's all they can do at this point is be a spoiler. And so, we'll see. We'll see, but we're just happy. Everybody's happy, I think, that this bounty scandal is behind us. This bounty scandal is behind us, and I think everyone, everyone is happy about that. Everyone. You got to be. You got to be. Got to be happy about This being over. Because this was annoying. It it just got annoying after a while. It just would not end. We just kept coming back to it. Kept talking about 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 it. And it just just became annoying. just became annoying. Very annoying. And so... It's over, folks. It's behind us. It's over. Crowd, noise, enjoy. See, they're happy, too. The fans are happy, too. Well, they're happy. It's over. The bounty thing is over. Bounty game is over. We're not talking about it no more. It's over. All right, all right, all right. You guys can set up now. You guys can set up now. You can set up now. And, again, you know, going back to the NFL, and again, a big, big week, and we're going to learn a lot about a lot of teams and a lot of things this week. We're going to learn a lot, a lot, folks. We're going to learn a lot. And let's just go through these games. Giants-Falcons. Falcons Falcons coming off a bad victory, bad loss, I should say, to – The lowly Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton had a big-time football game, doing things not only on the ground but in the air, and ultimately the the Carolina Panthers were able to win that game. But looking at this Giants game now, Giants coming off an impressive performance against the Saints, Giants 8-5, Giants fighting for the top spot in the NFC East, Giants fighting for their playoff lives as well. I look at this game, and I say to myself, the Falcons will not lose this game. As bad as they played in the uh, NFC, division, not the NFC, NFC wild card game against the New York Giants, losing 24-2. to Offense didn't even score a touchdown. As bad as they played in that game, and then coming off this bad loss against the Panthers, I don't really see a way that the Giants can win this game. It's just too much working against them. In the Georgia Dome, this team is tough to beat in the Georgia Dome. Tough to beat in the Georgia Dome. I'm undefeated at home. It's going to be a tough game for the Giants to win, and I don't see the Giants winning it. I like the Falcons tomorrow packers bears big game obviously for both teams this is for the nfc north at this point packers win the game they essentially go up three games because this would be their second victory against the chicago bears so they win this game the division is basically over packers win this game the division is over so this is a big game this is basically for the nfc north at this point bears win the battle is still still goes on packers win the battle is over So it should be interesting to see what happens here tomorrow. Erlocker is out. He's out. Tim Jennings, the league leader in interceptions, is out. So the Bears, you got Jay Cutler battling a neck injury. Battling a neck injury. So you hope he can stick around. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a tough game, but I like the Packers to put the NFC North away. And Robbie Smith, he supposedly may be on the hot seat. He may be on the hot seat. He may be on the hot seat as well. So a lot, a lot at stake here for the Chicago Bears. A lot at stake, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. I like, I like the Green Bay Packers tomorrow, and I think the Green Bay Packers put the NFC North away. Let's bring in a guy now who knows a lot about putting people away. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. He's done it all throughout the course of his career, and he's getting honored tomorrow in the world. Let's bring him in now. Willie.
2: A block away from us. Uh, yeah. Willie. What's going on, Bob? Sorry. Again.
1: Oh, how are you, Hello. sir? How are you doing today, Bob? Doing, doing well. Thanks for joining us.
2: But,
1: uh, yeah, thank you. I'm sorry sure I got in a little late. All right, Willie, let's get that. Let's uh, get right down to it. To National to Football see. League, a lot of big games going on tomorrow. You got the Texans, uh, you got the Falcons, the two best teams in their specific conferences, in their respective conferences, I should say. You look at those two teams. Are they the two best teams in the league? So,
2: the Texans and the Falcons. Yeah. No, the Falcons just got beaten. The Texans got beat soundly in New England. So I can't say the Texans are the best team. I say New so England's better. New England just punished the Texans.
1: So you look at it now. I mean, the Falcons have the best record in the NFC, okay, Texans' am, best record in the AFC. A I, I, in the I don't think they're scaring anybody at this point. They're not the two best teams. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I think got
2: we, got we, got we've what's seen got that. Got that. I what kind of got it that. Got and, uh, and,
1: uh, and, uh, and uh, Carolina, too. They right, right. I mean, you're, you're talking about a team that got beat up by the Carolina Panthers, and you're looking at this Texan team who got beat up by the New England Patriots. And I mean, the Texans as a whole, you look at that team, you look at what they've been doing on the defensive side of football, it really has not been that good. I mean, teams are scoring points against this defense, and that once formidable Texans defense has some holes at this point.
2: You it. I, I just think they both got a lot to prove. Uh, the Texans have never been there. Atlanta does this. Uh, Atlanta's done this before. So, uh, so, 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 uh, so the thing is, the thing is, we don't know, we don't know what, we don't know what Atlanta's gonna be able to do late in the season. And uh, you know, like I said, I would love to be seeing what both teams are gonna be able to do uh, come, come playoff time.
1: And Willie, we look at the NFC East now. It's it's nip and tuck there. You got the Giants at 8 and 5, you got the Redskins at 7 and 6 and the Cowboys at 7 and 6. You look at the NFC East at this point. To me, I think the Redskins are actually going to win the NFC East and I'm basing that on schedule. The Giants at this point, the Giants have to play the Falcons tomorrow in Atlanta and then they go to Baltimore the week after that. To me, schedule is going to dictate who wins the NFC East. And I think the Washington Redskins are going to win the NFC East. But how you see the NFC East playing
2: out? Um, I, I I think I agree with you. I think you agree with you. The Washington Redskins have the best role to win the NFC East. I just hope RG three stays healthy and doesn't hurt himself. I mean, I I just would hope, you know, he stay he stays he stays healthy.
1: Right. And and if he's questionable for tomorrow, he may not play tomorrow against the Cleveland Browns, but Kirk Cousins, maybe he can step in and work some magic like he did last week. And I look at the Cowboys. I mean, they get they have Pittsburgh tomorrow at home, and they have New Orleans again at home, and they play the Redskins the last week of the season. I think that last week of the season, week 17, Denver – not Denver, Washington against Dallas is going to tell us all we need to know about the NFC East. I think that game is going to be for the NFC East. I don't think the Giants make the playoffs.
2: Um, it's gonna to be tough for the Giants making the playoffs, and uh, you know they got a tough schedule. But uh, I don't know, man. The the Giants have always proven to you that they 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 always come up big, late, you know, late in the year. So um, you never can't count them out. They've got a lot of experience,
1: definitely. And we'll see what what happens tomorrow as they play the Falcons. I don't think they can beat the Falcons tomorrow in the Georgia Dome. Falcons coming off. That tough playoff loss against the Giants last year, and also the Falcons coming off a bad loss, I think you gotta favor the Falcons tomorrow. And, and Willie, also tomorrow, big game, Broncos, your Broncos against the Baltimore Ravens. You, you've been you've been touting these Broncos over the past few weeks. I'm not a believer, but tomorrow is going to tell me some things. Tomorrow is, is will the Broncos make me a believer tomorrow and beat the Ravens, Willie? Uh.
2: I think they will. I think they will. I think the Baltimore a convincing a convincing win will will make will make you a believer. And I and I think I think that uh, I think that this is a game a statement game for them to show
1: everybody what they can do. So you believe the Broncos will go into Baltimore tomorrow and beat the Ravens? Yes, I believe that. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to tell us a lot about the Broncos. How real they are? How real are the Denver Broncos? And I think we'll find out a lot. Tomorrow, Willie, you are in New Orleans, and the Saints bounty scandal, on, on some level, is finally over. Roger Goodell, uh, Paul Taglibu, excuse me, came down with his findings. He agreed with Roger Goodell that something may have happened, well, Roger Goodell but he also said he got
2: Taglibu to do it.
1: Right, he got Taglebeau to do it, and he basically said Taglebeau that things did happen, but he feels like the organization should get punished, not the players. Do you agree with his findings?
2: This decision? I I, I I I I agree I agree that um I agree I agree that they 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 need to be vacated. I think it, I think the suspensions were a little bit too harsh, and uh and uh and that and it, that that it shouldn't have took this long, but it is what it is now. Now now that now that it's now that it's over, you know at least they can go on and play football. The season's over. It. They won't make the playoff. Right. They won't make the playoffs, but you know, it's still gonna be a tough tough deal. But at least they get to get the get the deal, you know, get to get the deal. have a definitive sitting up with a positive note and it's over with.
1: Right. I mean it it just it just went on too long and just it was drawn out too long and I'm just glad that is officially officially over at this point. We're talking to Hall of Famer, Willie and Willie tomorrow you're gonna to be honored halftime of the Saints Buccaneers game and they're going to honor you, making making the Hall of Fame. Talk about this honor and talk about how excited you are for tomorrow. Oh
2: man, I'm looking so excited to it, for it, and uh, you know it's an unbelievable honor. And uh, they do a special thing at halftime now, so they kind of switched it up.
1: They kind of okay. switched it up, and uh, it's going to be be a great thing. It, it sounds like it. I mean, you're going to be honored by the organization and, and honor for for making the hall of fame this is a great year for Willie Rofe. I mean this is a big time for, year for you man you've been honored in a lot of different places right now and uh, you're going to be honored tomorrow by the Saints and Willie we, we heard the situation last week uh with Josh Brent of the Dallas Cowboys and and the unfortunate situation and uh he was uh, driving while intoxicated and ultimately he got into a car accident killed his friend Jerry Brown and you look at that particular situation, man, and and you know you, you got Commissioner Goodell coming out now and saying maybe things could be done by the league to to stop this these things from happening. What could be done by the league? Can the league really do anything about like? Can the excuse me? Can the league do something about this? Really? Well,
2: I mean, we, we, I mean it's a tragic situation. I mean, the league's doing everything they can do. I mean, it's hard to stop a kid from getting in the car when he's been drinking, drinking too much and, and, and driving. I can at least stop anything, you know. But you know, if he does come back next year, then they'll probably might suspend him for the year. I mean, he killed his killed his, killed his teammate. I mean, the only thing they can do is. is uh... Hello. So, right. I
1: think Willie phone's breaking up. I think we lost him. Hello. I think we lost him, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough situation. I mean, players have the opportunity, have options to to be able to call a, a, a service to help them get home if they had too much to drink, but. You know, it's the NFL, these players sometimes, and, and in their situations, you feel like, you know, you only had a little bit of drink. And you can make it home. You can manage to get home. And unfortunately, with the whole thing, and I mean, your, your heart goes out to Josh Brent. Your heart really goes out to him and what happened there. Your heart really goes out to this guy. And you hope that, you know, I hope he doesn't get jail time. We got Willie now. Let's bring him back. Hello, Willie? Yeah, I'm here. All right, we got you back. And I, I was saying before we lost you that, you know, it, it's a tough situation because, I, you know, guys get into situations where they feel like, you know, even though they had something to drink, they feel like they can make it. They they feel like they still can make it. And a lot of that comes with youth. I mean, it comes with being young and, and being dumb and feel like you can do anything.
2: You, you, you know, and, and the commissioner has no control over that. You know, you have a situation where you have a young guy that's going and drinking and, 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 and um and um and uh you know, you can't stop a guy from driving. I mean, obviously he should have called a taxi. I mean he knew he drank too much and he knows the situation he had in college. But to Roger Goodell's credit with the league, it's been a pretty clean year. Until this incident that happened with Kansas City and to deal with the deal that happened in Kansas City and right. the other situation that happened in Dallas, it's been a pretty clean year. You know, you haven't yeah. had a lot of incidents around the league, uh, uh and it's been a clean year, uh, this year in the NFL. So to Roger Cadell's credit, it's been you know, there hasn't been a lot of stuff going on this year, maybe a little bit stuff in the off season, but like I said, it's been a pretty good year this year.
1: And Willie, each and every week would like to get your top five the top best to top five best teams in the league. Who are the top five best teams in the league at this point in the season?
2: Uh I got right now my top five. I've got the New England Patriots. Okay. I've got the uh Denver Broncos at number two. I've All got right. the Green Bay Packers at number three. I've got the uh uh I don't have it. I got the forty at number four and mm-hmm. I've got the uh I've got the uh the maybe uh, Houston at number five.
1: So you don't have the Atlanta Falcons in your top five anymore.
2: I, I, I don't. I don't think the Atlanta Falcons are for real.
1: Eleven and two. I mean, this team has, has some explosive weapons I mean, on the. They got to get home field. They got to get home field.
2: I'm a New Orleans Saints Saint football player, so you know I'm not cheering for the for the Dirty Birds.
1: <laughs> and we know you don't like the Dirty Birds, but I, I think you look at the Falcons team. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I think I fairly do believe in the Falcons, but I'll say this. They have to get home field, and I think they will get home field. And once they do get home field, I think the, the lessons they've learned from their previous appearances in the playoffs will be enough to spur this team on. I think the Falcons at this point, and, and I'm making the prediction, I think the Falcons get to the Super Bowl. I think they get there. And I, and I,
2: predict, and I, and I predict that uh, uh, I got the uh, – I think the Green Bay Packers will beat the Falcons again. And I predict okay. the Green Bay Packers will play uh, the New England Patriots or I might say the Denver Broncos
1: in the Super Bowl. And we'll see how that thing plays out. I mean, the Patriots obviously were impressive against the Texans this Monday night and the Broncos have been playing some big-time football over the past few weeks against the Little Sisters of the Poor. But we'll see what happens in a step-up situation. A little Sisters of the Poor,
2: okay, all right. Well, when <laughs> they go to Baltimore, when, when Peyton Manning goes to Baltimore, and put some spanking on the Baltimore Ravens with all those guys with the torn triceps and biceps. Then we then will we'll see. <laughs> then you will see what's going to happen.
1: We, we will definitely see the tries and the buys are a little little, <laughs> a little messed up for the Ravens right now. But I like the Ravens to win tomorrow. I think the Ravens. Yeah, I think the Ravens, think the Ravens or, are going to win tomorrow. Tri-tell. I think the Ravens will win
2: tomorrow.
1: I think the Ravens will win tomorrow. I think the Ravens will win tomorrow. This is a team that has been struggling of late, but this is a big spot for them. This is a big spot for them, and this is a big football game for them because they're battling for seeding in the AFC. So this is a big, big football game. So for... right
2: now, right now, who's playing better ball than the New England Patriots, though? Right now, who's playing better ball than Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and they're running the football?
1: Um, nobody. Okay. Nobody. You're right, nobody. Absolutely nobody. But, 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 the reality is that the AFC is probably going to go through Houston, and the NFC is probably going to go through Atlanta. Both of these teams are good home teams. Great, great. Didn't Green Bay beat uh, Houston? Didn't Green Bay Houston? did go into to Houston and smacked the the, the Texans. Did they Green but Bay both beat Houston and Houston earlier this year? They did. They did. Uh, but this is a team uh, that overall has played well at home. And this is a team I think come playoff time is going to be tough to beat at home. I'm not saying they're not going to get beat, but they're going to be tough to beat at home. But we shall see, Willie. We shall see, man. Enjoy your time in New Orleans. Good luck tomorrow. Have some fun.
2: All right. Thank you very much.
1: Willie Rofe, 11-time Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer. He's going to have a good time in New Orleans tomorrow. I want to switch gears now to the fight. Big fight last week in Vegas, Pacquiao Marquez. We got to talk about it, and we got to talk about it with our guy, BoxingScene.com writer, the one, the only, Cliff Rolled. Cliff, how are you, sir?
0: Hey, Paul. How you doing, buddy?
1: Doing well. Thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, absolutely. Always my pleasure.
1: Cliff, obviously a great night last week in Vegas. First of all, how stunned are you? How stunned were you at the time, and how stunned are you now that the fight ended with Pacquiao being dropped in the sixth round?
0: Well, I mean, with seven days past, I mean, you know, the shock wears off pretty quick. I've, I've seen some pretty crazy knockouts over the years. Um, I saw Tyson Douglas live when I was a kid, and after that, everything else is kind of in perspective. Um, but I've got to be honest with you, Paul. I missed the punch. Uh, I was I was watching the fight with a with a group of friends um, and uh, and I looked down. Uh, I knew they were in the last ten seconds. I glanced down uh, for just a moment, and when I looked back up, Manny Pacquiao was laying on the floor. Uh, so it took a moment for the shock to register um, with what had just happened. And, and when I realized what it was, uh, I mean, I, I have to be honest, the room I was in was utter pandemonium. I mean, there were there were guys screaming, and one guy got up and started dancing. It was a it was a wild scene. I mean, you just don't see things like that very often. Um, i, I got to give a little shout-out. The guys I watched it with um, are the same buddies I saw the uh, Roy Jones-Antonio Tarver rematch wow. with. So, you know, it, it was it was an ironic uh, sort of full circle of life kind of moment.
1: Definitely, definitely. And, and let's look at the fight. I mean, you saw the fight, fifth round of scene, Pacquiao was taking control of the fight. And at that point, you got the sense that Pacquiao could actually stop Marquez at that point.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, in the fifth round, when you hit him with that right hook, and you saw Marquez's legs buckle, and you saw Pacquiao jump on him, and then you saw the exchanges through the last minute of the round, it seemed like the momentum in that fight had shifted. And, going and, and you know, Pacquiao was uh, – the sixth round was close, but it appeared that Pacquiao had won the sixth – was on the verge of winning the sixth round as well – I mean, he may have won four or five of the first six rounds, uh, you know, outside of the third round where he was knocked down. So, in some sense, in a technical sense, Pacquiao may have been having his best fight against Marquez, maybe since their first encounter, and then, you know, it didn't matter. (laughs) That one (laughs) shot made it all go away. What a a beautiful punch.
1: It was beautiful. Freddie Roach said that Pacquiao was in charge, but he got a little careless, I should say. Was that the case?
0: Um, probably. I mean, he, 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 you, you you see if you watch it again, I mean, he, he, he double faints off of the right, and then he, he takes a lunge forward, and he did all of that, it's a very typical Manny move, but he never picked the right hand up, uh, left him wide open for the shot, he came in square, uh, Marquez had the angle on him, and, and he threw the perfect punch, he threw the sort of punch that, that fighters wait their whole life to land, very few get to land that very perfect punch, um, I mean, that one's up there with... Ray Robinson uh, in the second fight with Gene Fulmer, Bob Foster doing, you know, Dick Tiger. It's up there with Tommy Hearns laying out Roberto Duran like a statue. I mean, it was just, it was a perfect punch. And the thing that really makes it special is that Pacquiao was fighting so well up to that point in the fight. Both men were. They were fighting extremely well. It was a, It was an excellent fight. And so it wasn't like the third fight where, you know, regardless of who you thought won, there were a lot of... You know, Manny was going through marital problems and there were issues of focus. You know, Marquez beat Manny Pacquiao on a Manny Pacquiao night, and that was fantastic. And much
1: has been made before the fight about the physique of Juan Manuel Marquez. His drug test did come back negative. But his body does look much different than it did the first time he fought at this weight limit against against Mayweather a couple years back. Marquez dropped Pacquiao twice in this fight and something he didn't do the first three fights. What are your thoughts on the physique and the power Marquez at this point?
0: I don't like to speculate on those things. I don't have any evidence to the contrary. All you have is your analysis on the fight. Um, you know, until boxing gets in a better place, until all of sports really gets in a better place with how they're testing athletes, I think it's unfair to speculate on people that otherwise have test comebacks. You know, fair. Right. Now, what you might speculate on privately is fine, but you know, I, I think if you watch the first three fights. Manny Pacquiao was rocked by right hands in all of them. In the second fight, he almost got dropped. Um, in the third fight, there were moments where he was stunned by right hands. He was backed off by right hands in the first fight. You know, chalk it up to you, – you can chalk it up just as much to uh, age. You know, he's older now. Um, he's more stationary. Uh, both guys are heavier. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, 20, 20 pounds more, more, uh, more force behind what they're throwing than when they were at 126 pounds. Um, I know that's not that's not the answer some people are, are going to come up, come okay. away with. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the, the knockdown in the third round was a pretty standard knockdown. He caught him with a flush right hand on the temple, um, and he caught him clean. And, you know, the punch he hit him with in the sixth round was as good a punch as you can throw. It was a, a perfectly leveraged six-inch right. punch. Um, and, you know, that sort of shot can land, you know, I, I don't think you can necessarily, you know, chalk that up to anything other than just this being boxing. Sometimes and what is Pacquiao you're gonna, go Sometimes next? you're going to run into a concussive shot. Oh, sorry, sorry, Paul.
1: No, go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, I was saying sometimes you just run into a concussive shot.
1: Right. And, and he ran into something. He ran into a, a big time shot, and he laid flat on his face. And what's next for Pacquiao? You got Bernard Hopkins saying that he believes Pacquiao should sit out a year after this type of knockout. Should Pacquiao take a tune-up fight, or should he go right after Marquez again for a fifth time? No,
0: I don't think so at all. Look, great fighters, and and let's not let's not lose focus here. What happened last Saturday night was a, a showdown, uh, an absolute gun. It was a gunslinger battle between two of the best fighters that you are ever going to see in your lifetime. You know, I, I don't know where they rank exactly. But when you talk about the history of boxing, Juan Manuel Marquez and Manny Pacquiao are going to be in discussions. You know, Marquez is going to be in discussion with the greatest Mexicans. Manny Pacquiao is already probably the greatest Asian fighter that ever lived. You know, he's one of the greatest scale jumpers of all time. Um, you know, I think when you're talking about great fighters, you know, you look at the aftermath of these sort of knockouts. Sometimes these knockouts are, you know, it's it's a mentality issue. Can he come back mentally from it? Probably. Um, you know, can he come back physically? I think the physical toll of a shot like that is sometimes not as bad as a prolonged beating. You look at a fight like Felix Trinidad and Fernando Vargas. Vargas never took a shot well again after that because he took lots of shots. He, he he was concussed in the first round and then took 11 more rounds of punishment. This was one shot, um, and the third-round shot was heavy, too. But he didn't take a ton of punishment. He just got laid out. You look at the aftermath of the Dick Tiger-Bob Foster fight, <clears throat> Dick Tiger came back in his next fight, came off the floor twice, won the fight of the year against Frankie DePaula, and in his very next fight, he beat Nino Benvenuti, who was either still middleweight champion or just off of the middleweight championship, you know, before he, he eventually faded away and, and lost his last fight to Emil Griffith. Roberto Duran never got stopped again like that after Tommy Hearns, took a couple tune-up fights, had a war with Robbie Sims that he lost, as he more because he wasn't in great shape and still had enough to come back and beat a Ram Barkley, who was a monster middleweight. You know, I just I, I think great fighters are great fighters. He should take a vacation, um, you know, maybe six months, whatever they think is appropriate. Um, and then the only fight out there, if they can entice him, is a fifth fight with Juan Manuel Marquez. That's the fight that Pacquiao needs now. And that is, it, is what makes the story interesting. Through the last three rematches, it was always about, you know, what Marquez, you know, whether he got a little job on the cards, you know, could he finally get the Pacquiao monkey mm-hmm. off his back? Now you got a, a role reversal. It's a sellable fight, and you know they—they they were just in the fight of the year in their thirties. It's fantastic stuff.
1: Financially, is that the best option for Marquez?
0: Absolutely. I mean, who else he gonna fight? He could fight Mayweather again, but I mean, that fight's not gonna go any different. Marquez has never been very good against other counter punchers. Um, It—it it, just—it's not a style that works well for him either doesn't look great or you know, he loses, um, you know, he's not gonna be Floyd. I mean, Floyd slowed down, but so is Marquez. He doesn't throw as much as he used to. Um that that's the only other option that would really pay the kind of money. He's in a position to demand that Manny come down on the offer. Um if Manny has to meet him in the middle, you're looking at maybe triple what Marquez has ever made in his career before. I mean that's the you know, you could be looking at anywhere from twelve to eighteen million dollars considering upside. There's a lot of money on the table if he wants to keep going. And
1: will we see this fight again? I think we will, but I think it's kind of an obvious answer. But do you think we'll see this fight again?
0: Yeah, I do. I think we'll see it uh, sometime between June and December. Um, I I just, you know, I I don't see where else they're going to go. Marquez is heading towards 40 years old. Um, If he's going to fight again, he's going to want to take the biggest money out there. The biggest money is obvious. Um, And that's if he wants to fight. I mean, he may just want to pack it in. He keeps talking about his, his wife wants him to retire um, but he's not being committal about it. A lot of the time that non-committal stuff is really, you know, it's a negotiating ploy. Um, I, I think uh, I think they're going to have to pay him to get him to do it again. And, uh, you know, if, if you give him money, I mean, this is prize fighting, and he's waited all his career to be the guy who can demand the biggest dollar possible. So, you know, this is his moment to, to shore up his family's finances for maybe the next generation.
1: Right. We're talking about com writer Cliff Rolden. Cliff, Pacquiao's wife has came out and says she wants him to retire. Should he retire?
0: Um, no. I mean, not if he doesn't want to. I mean, that's up to the fighter. Um, Manny Pacquiao hadn't been stopped since, I think, 1999. Um, you know, and fans who look at his record and see stoppages before, they they may not have seen those. Um, the two stoppage losses at Flyweight were nothing like this. Uh, the first one to Rustico Campo. Um, came on a, a, a sort of a, a, a sort of a punch um and a headbutt and a low blow that all landed at the same time. Uh the Sinxerat loss came. He he was draining down the flyweight. He got hit with a middling body shot and went down um after he had missed weight the day before. It was nothing like this. Um he hadn't even been seriously hurt in a fight, like seriously hurt since Nadal Hussein in two thousand. So I mean if his wife wants him to quit, if he wants to quit that's up to him. I don't think he will. Um, and, I don't, you know, I doubt it's up to Jinky Pacquiao to get him to quit. So if he wants <laughs> to go on, he should. Right, right.
1: And interesting story around this fight. I know Pacquiao took a cash advance from Bob Arum. Do you think it's a financial issue there with Manny Pacquiao? I know he, he has a, a large entourage, and I know <laughs> he had the issues with the gambling and everything. Could it be a financial issue with Pacquiao at some point?
0: Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone – um, who, who follows boxing would be shocked if you know both Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather um, have to fight long past their prime because of financial issues. I mean, there are certain fighters who just seem to be profligate in their spending. Um, it's just the way it goes. Um, boxing history is rife with it. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of other stories, um, and this isn't like the the 30s. You know, the mob's not taking your money. Um, it's not Primo Carnero where they paid him with a car and kept his checks. Um, it's not you know the old IBC days in the 50s you know fighters get you know they you know big high dollar fighters get a lot of money it it's an issue of and this isn't just in boxing it's an issue in athletics in general right True. when you have a career that has a short shelf life with a lot of money then the issue is about making sure that you aren't spending what you're making right like a lot of people are making 8 million dollars a year and they're spending 8 million a year they're not taking right. care of their taxes you know they're not putting away a nest egg and then you got other guys like Larry Holmes who you know Larry Holmes bought, the, bought a house that had a house built for himself in the late 70s, still lives there, kept his money, invested in real estate. You know, it, it's it's an issue of people knowing how to take care of money, and not everybody knows how to do that.
1: That's a great point, great point. I mean, it's not. It's just not a boxing issue. It's an athletic issue. Everybody in athletics are, are having issues retaining their money over the long haul, and that's just the way it is and probably the way it always will be.
0: I know a lot well, of fans want to know. Look at, look at I'll, I'll give another example. Look at Evander Holyfield. Evander Holyfield, you know, when you look at the pay-per-view numbers that he was involved in over the years, I mean, the only guy who probably grossed more, um, not necessarily netted, but grossed more was probably Mike Tyson in the in the 1990s. Um, but, you know, Evander bought, you know, this gargantuan house that, you know, I remember reading in Sports Illustrated, I don't know if it's true or not, but I remember this as a kid that, you know, his house in the 1990s, was a million dollars a year annual upkeep. Um, right. That probably, that had to go up with inflation. Um, and if your income is not sustainable, and being a pro fighter is not a sustainable income at that level, you know, that, that explains how you can throw your money away if you're not smart about how you invested in the first place.
1: Definitely. And I know a lot of fans want to know, will we ever see a Pacquiao-Mayweather fight?
0: Um, maybe. I mean, look, in 2002 when the big talk was Bernard Hopkins Roy Jones Jr the rematch. You know, everybody wanted to see that it didn't happen. We eventually got it later. We got it in a in a diluted form as a as a as strictly a money grab and not one that even made sense. They didn't actually really make any money off the rematch. Um but I mean eventually you could see a situation where as they age, they get to a point where it's like, "Hey, you know we never did this for the novelty factor." Um could it it'll never be what it would have been in 2010 I mean, March 2010 You know, retrospect is going to tell us now That was the moment That was when that fight needed to happen Whether it was in Vegas or Cowboys Stadium You know, with, with Mayweather back after the Marquette fight And Pacquiao hot after the, the Cotto win and the Hatton win That was the moment when they were clearly The two best fighters in the sport And they needed to get it done They didn't do it They dickered around for three years We never really got close to having it again That was the closest we got and, you know, will we get it? Maybe one of these days when they're older, uh, maybe a couple of years from now. But it'll never be what it was, and it'll never mean what it should have meant. That's too bad. But, you know, case are raw. I mean, boxing has lots yeah. of incidences and stuff like that.
1: And so, and so maybe they'll get it on a couple of years from now when they actually need the money. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. And Miguel Cotto a couple of weeks back he lost to Austin Trout. Where does Cotto go from here? Does he get Canelo? Where does Cotto go?
0: I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he fought Canelo, although you know some of the scuttlebutt now has maybe Floyd fighting Canelo in May, um, if not in May, then in September. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to get Canelo and Austin Trout. That's a shame. I had the privilege of being able to cover uh, Cotto and Trout up at the Garden. I really, uh, you know, it was an excellent fight. Um, scorecards were a little wide, um, but Austin Trout put on a great performance. He seems like a quality young man. You know, a, a real asset to the sport. Credit to the sport. Um, I'd like to see him get some opportunities, but you know, it's going to take time for him. He's got good management, so his opportunities will come. Cotto, I mean, he's getting to the point where I mean, he, he swells really easy. Um, you know, he's got a few fights left in him. If he can get a Canelo, that makes sense. It's a big money fight still, um, but I mean, I, I think we're seeing the back end of, of of Cotto's career right now.
1: And Floyd talked to Floyd Mayweather came out and said he was going to fight two times in 2013, does he actually fight? Two times in twenty thirteen?
0: Probably. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think we would have seen him twice this year if not for, you know, his uh his his jail sentence. Um, you know, that kinda threw off his timetable. Um but I, I think you'll see him twice next year. I don't see why not. I mean, you you're you're talking about massive amounts of money. Um he's talked about fighting until he's thirty seven. Um you know, I see no reason why we wouldn't see him twice. If we do, I mean could we see Canelo first? Would it be Robert Guerrero? I think that remains to be determined. Um, but I, I think you will see Floyd twice next year.
1: Now, Cliff, talk about some of the great things going on at BoxingScene.com.
0: Well, today, uh, today, uh, you know, we're getting ready for the uh, Nonito Donner-Jorge Arce fight uh, on HBO. Amir Khan is back tonight on Showtime. Um, and for your listeners out there, you know, if there's any fight you're going to watch this weekend, tune in 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Pacific on CBS. Because boxing is back on network television, yeah. it's back again next weekend in prime time on NBC with the Steve Cunningham Tomas Adamek rematch this Saturday. You've got Leo Sanchez, Cruz, one of the most exciting young fighters in the sport. So you know boxing is expanding its reach. There's a lot of talk about that. Uh, I also have a piece up on the website where I discuss sort of the historical ramifications of the Marquez Pacquiao fight. Um, you know, looking at sort of what that fight meant for Marquez in terms of his his elevation among you know the great Mexican fighters. Um, what it means for Pacquiao, and, and placing it in the context of all the other things that Pacquiao has done. So, you know, a l- lot of interesting things to talk about on boxing
1: And you talked about it, national TV, you got it at 4.30 today on CBS. Will we see more of boxing on the networks?
0: Well, from what I'm seeing with Showtime in particular, I mean, NBC Sports Cable is, has made an investment in the sport. They've got a really good show. I, I've enjoyed what they've done on NBC. Um, you know, next week is sort of it's dead time for cable TV right now. You know, like right. the NFL is finishing up. Um, college football is sort of in its doldrums period. You've got, you know, 946 bowl games on ESPN right now. So people <laughs> are filling time. You can run reruns. You can run sports on a Saturday night. Um, I think if, if those draw decent numbers, we'll keep seeing it. It's not a – you don't have to spend millions to get it. Um, but, you know, a lot will depend on if people watch. you gotta, you got to right. tune in.
1: Definitely, definitely, and hopefully people will tune in. It's good to have boxing on the, the national networks again. I'm happy and I'm excited to watch it today. Cliff, pleasure having you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck, and let's do it again.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Happy holidays, my friend.
1: You too. Take care. Take care, buddy. Cliff dot BoxingScene.com. Pleasure talking to Cliff and talking about some of the great things that's going on in the sport of boxing and some of the things, great things that's going on in and on boxingscene.com. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com/pgant, where you can listen where you can listen to this show and other great great shows. I want to thank Steve Francis for stopping by. Make sure you go to his website stevefrancisfoundation.com. That's Steve Francis Foundation. Dot com and follow him on Twitter at Steve Francis3. Also I want to thank Willie Rowe for stopping by. He's getting honored tomorrow in New Orleans. We wish him nothing but the best of luck with that. Also I want to thank Cliff Rolls, BoxinSeen dot com. Support some of the great things at com. and also I want to thank Jabal Sheard of the Cleveland Browns. And again follow him on Twitter at Jabal Sheard. You can listen to this show and other great great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash Pegant where you can listen to this show and other great great shows. Follow us on Twitter, at GoForAgain For for everybody here at GoFor. Christmas is coming upon us, and we'll be on before Christmas, before that, but it's upon us, and enjoy your holiday season. Um, Pray for some of the families in Connecticut after a horrible tragedy yesterday. See you later. Take care. Have a great week. Bye.